We stumbled across several databases and specifically also Cassandra when we wanted to demonstrate how those general application and databases included run faster on the OS that we created. We discovered that Cassandra isn't running faster on our system unlike many other applications. The reason was that it was written in Java and while the Cassandra design and architecture are highly scalable, the per unit economic of the implementation weren't as good. So we realized there is an opportunity here and we had to pivot away. I'm Dola Orr, I'm the co-founder and CEO of SilaDB. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labpart, and today, how Dior Lior is building the world's fastest distributed database, enabling you to break the barriers of scale. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Dorlior lives north of Tel Aviv, Israel, but travels four times out of the year to the States. He loves tech, which drives 200% of his day. But outside of tech, he's married with two teenage kids and enjoys extreme sports. At the time, he does snowboarding and mountain biking, mentioning that the best place to mountain bike was a ski resort in France. He would also love to do surfing, but hasn't found the time to hit the waves around Israel. Dor and his co-founder met long ago at another startup. Post-acquisition, they listed ideas of what they wanted to start building next. They decided to build an operating system like Linux and noticed that databases still didn't run faster within this system. They decided to tackle distributed NoSQL databases instead. This is the creation story of SillaDB. Scylla is a database company. It's a NoSQL database. We have open source offering, which pretty much uh, that's the basis for our product, an enterprise offering and as a service, we excel in scalability and high throughput environments. My co-founder and I, 
we met back in 2005 at another startup. It, that startup have, happened to pivot three times. And eventually, Avi, my co-founder, brought a brilliant idea to that previous startup. And he invented the KVM hypervisor, which I managed. And uh, we had lots of mileage together. And the company was acquired by Red Hat. We wanted to start our own thing. And we listed lots of ideas on a paper. One of them was actually a database, but it was the end of 2012. And we thought, nah, most databases were already built. There's nothing unique to come up with. So we decided to do something else, a new operating system from scratch that was supposed to compete with Linux for virtualization workloads. Usually when we say a project, it's everything from scratch. So we started the company with writing a new operating system, like a crazy endeavor. And this project was technically successful. It still exists today, but we didn't get the traction we wanted. We stumbled across several databases and specifically also Cassandra when we wanted to demonstrate how those general applications and databases included run faster on the OS that we created compared to Linux. And we discovered that Cassandra isn't running faster on our system, unlike many other applications. And when we realized why, the reason was that it was written in Java and while the Cassandra design and architecture are highly scalable distributed database, the per unit economic of the implementation weren't as good. And Java is a great language for management application, but not for infrastructure. So we realized there is an opportunity here and we had to pivot away. So this plus additional research led us to pivot into the database space and we decided let's write a new database. Usually when you do that, the second question is why write a new database? So we decided to combine the two and write a new database with an existing familiar interface like a Sandra. Uh, so th this is what we've done with the pivot. And, and this is how we came up to the database world. And it's, it's today, after years of years of uh, working on databases, I know how much I do not know. So it was a crazy thing that only a young startup desperate to find an angle can do. Let's dive into the MVP then, so that first version of Scylla that you built. How long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Cassandra is, is written in Java and we wanted to use C++, especially modern C++. Back in the day, days, it was C++, I think it was 12 or so, and nowadays there is C++ 23. Very different than the C++ I, I learned in university, much more advanced with Lambda functions and all. So highly recommended, though now we have newer languages like Rust. So we used advanced C++ and we basically cloned all of the goodies of Cassandra while we had our own unique design with a shard per core approach. So that's the, the idea. The shard per core is a notion where you run one thread on one processor. And if you have a server with 20 processors, then you run 20 threads and all do the same work with a shared nothing across, across the board. And the first step wasn't to create a full database because it's complicated. The first step was where we created this 
a library. We, we called that library C-Star. It was a name play on, on Cassandra because shorthand for Cassandra is the letter C and the letter star. So it was a library to do distributed simple apps. And the first one we wrote was an HTTP daemon that was very basic, but could handle millions of requests per second on a single machine. And the next step towards an MVP was to come up with the database itself with Scylla that can do a million operations per second, still be distributed, and we didn't have all of the more complicated indexing. As an anecdote, we had an investor who said, why are you insisting to write the database as distributed on many machines? That's harder, just can you release a version that just runs on a single machine? But that was a no not every MVP, sometimes it's too minimal. One of the basic things that you expect from a distributed database is to be distributed. So it was kind offer, but not relevant. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble, super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. So you've got your MVP. It's, it's working. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? I think what I'm looking for there is how you went about building your roadmap and how you decided, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Scylla. So like all startups, it's, it's difficult to, to build a roadmap. One of the easier jobs that we had was that because we're API compatible or we, we strive to be in the early years, we strive to be API compatible, we just needed to implement the API and in a much better 
way than the origin because otherwise why use us at all so the roadmap in the early days was just to implement and to have a full complete api where we'll be able to migrate people to the new database without code changes on the client side and, and the first mvp we used as a beta was more for an alpha but uh, we didn't even know that it's it's not that applicable as, as a beta back then a year later we started to have customers so overall for a database product the development was relatively fast there was the beta then we went to a stage where we were full api compatible with cassandra afterwards we started to add some of our unique features on top of it so eventually we had time to develop our own features and we also added compatibility with aws DynamoDB, which is from the same family of databases so that was another big development so how did you go about building your team? And what do you look for in those people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you? The team was very heavy on engineering and especially infrastructure. And lots of the team members got to us through the, the KVM hypervisor project and from Linux. And I was searching through my network, through Red Hat, my, my previous employer and other open source, like we had the name for innovative group is very capable. So that, that attracted more and more people and really good people that joined us attracted their own communities. So it, it was a good small sn snowball of excellency. So th that was for the, the core technical team. Nowadays, we're about 160 people overall worldwide and engineering is half of the team and what we're trying to do is to trying to make sure that other teams are as good and as quality as the core engineering team we've got. You get, especially as a co-founder and CEO, you get to uncharted territories where sometimes you may not know the definition of good in areas like, like sales and marketing and partnerships and all that. But nowadays we have a really strong and balanced leadership beyond the, the technological team. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash CodeStory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by CAST. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with CAST AI. CAST AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. 
the platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This next question will be interesting given what you're building and how you're going about building it. And I've heard the stories thus far, MVP and progression, but I want to talk about scalability and I want to give space for an answer of how you approach that. Was it built to scale efficiently from day one or is there anything you had to fight as you grew and gained traction? There's different type of of scalability problems. Some of them in, in tech, some of them are, aren't in tech. But uh, it was obvious for us that the core product is supposed to be highly scalable. Sometimes even it, try to build it even more scalable than what it really needs to do. So in the past, we did a billion operation per second benchmark. Not a million operation, but a billion, and no one needs a billion. So sometimes you overshoot and we, we we had some our fair share of premature optimizations. Like one of them was TCP kernel bypass that we did to bypass and accelerate networking and it wasn't really needed, required. And we realized that and we never used it in production. There are other areas uh, outside of the core product where you need scalability and more, many times we didn't do the right decision with the shift towards the cloud and, and managed product, the database as a service, I think that we started with a too small team to accomplish the goal we, we wanted to have. And it took us a time until we added more enough resources to make it as good as it's, it's supposed to be. And, and we're still growing it now and there's more demand and infinite amount of things to do there. Okay, Dor, as you step out on the balcony, and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think that I'm, I'm mostly proud of the team. We've been out there for a long period of time and we have core team members who've been with us for 10 years. So I'm really proud that we managed to exist for 10 years. Nowadays, we're just one notch to be a cash positive. So I'm pretty sure that we'll be able to live another 10 years very pleased with the trust and the team we, we managed to combine. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. The, the whole original project was a mistake and it was relatively hard to recover from it. And I think that it took us too long to realize that if the first path is a mistake to compare with in the previous startup where Avi and I were the first employees and my existing chairman was back then the CEO. They managed to do three pivots and not one. So we were slow to identify a mistake as a, as a mistake. So so that, that was mistake, mistake number one. We didn't do huge mistakes afterwards. We always do mistakes, but I think that we're trying to minimize the time. I think it's a good to have a culture where Mistakes are, are, are fine as, as long as you do it in a, in a careful way and as long as you 
you know, okay, let's take this project. It has risks, but we can uh, capture the, the risk and, and the risk is capped. And if we have reasonable KPIs, we'll be able to revert and change course without it being too much demanding. Okay, this will be fun to ask and hear from the founder's perspective. What's the future look like for the product and for your team? From the very beginning, we wanted to be the number one NoSQL company. Even sometimes go beyond NoSQL, not necessarily either to re relational or to other frameworks and to do more. Every week we, we say no to more initiatives and sometimes, or even over years, we stayed on the same rails that we originally started to, to create the best NoSQL. So this is still our journey. In the past, we used to say that Scylla can provide you the power of Cassandra at the speed of Redis. Redis is super fast cache. So I think that we achieved that part. And now we're trying to go after DynamoDB, which leads the industry in terms of usability. It's the most mature SaaS database. And we're trying to make Scylla as usable as DynamoDB. We've almost accomplished the infrastructure needed to be very elastic, have the ability to send data across many machines as fast as possible. So if you have a workload which is very dynamic, and let's say you have users that may arrive at any given point in time, a social network type of vendor that needs a database, and every, every minute you can have a gigantic spike, but you do not want to pay for all of the infrastructure all of the time, then this elasticity assists you the most. And we now have it in the core product and we're going to deliver it next year. Okay, so this is very promising for us. And, and also I hope that it will help many users in, in their workloads. Let's switch to you, Dor. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. Obviously, there's plenty of people within the company, either individual contributors or executives. And we had several really great executives who joined us recently who improve the way I, the organization and the way I see things. But someone that really helped me along all of the, those years, and if it's helpful for other entrepreneurs in their early journey, is I personally enjoyed from Benny Schneider. He was the CEO of the, the previous startup I worked for and invested in us initially as an investor. And he's also our active chairman. Now, now he has this role as an active chairman, as an investor, but basically is a, is a friend. And I trust his judgment 100%. And it's really great for an, an entrepreneur and, and a founder to have someone to consult with who was in that scenario. And also, it's not just an advice where you get an advice from someone who you just met and you tell him your story for an hour and the output is an advice. It's someone who companies use for a long time and is familiar with, uh, with the company. So he helped me a lot and helped the company a lot just by being next to me and making sure I won't do silly mistakes here and there, or just sometimes to reflect all of the complexity and the decision-making issues I have to make. So 
I recommend everybody to have someone like that. Okay, we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? It doesn't, doesn't even have to be a mistake. or It could have been something that worked and worked well, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit. It's, it's not easy because sometimes if you go back in time with the knowledge you have, then you may do things differently, but it's a knowledge that you currently have. One thing that would have helped a lot is back when we started and in the early days, SaaS wasn't that much of a thing. And we built the product as a standard open source plus an enter- matching enterprise offering that can run everywhere. But if some companies like Snowflake early on figured out that everything needs to be as a service and, and obviously AWS, if we would manage to do that shift very early in the process, then would have been in a much, much better place just by spending more years on, on a cloud native solution with, with as a service approach. And, and if someone here and there, when I speak with people who work at newer companies, people contemplate between enterprise and as a service, and mostly the answer is supposed to be as a service, just abandoned the other option and focus on as a service because it's impossible to do everything good and better just have focus. Dor, last question. So you're sitting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit several times? Just to find someone that you can 100% trust and share everything without any reservation and without being afraid of bias and just have pure consultation with. It can be an official role or a friend or other founder from another company where you you just sit and share the problems together. So that's number one. Number two is as an entrepreneur, you're going to meet amazing people. And it's always good to hear their advices and also to ask for advices. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that any advice that fantastic person, very successful and accomplished gives you may not be applicable to your business or to you personally as you have your own character so it may be the wrong advice or the wrong timing so the best is to if you hear a good advice and you really contemplate to to adopt it try to 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 receive another advice a counter advice that have an opposite outcome and then decide between the two that's great advice well, Dor, thank you for being on the show today, and thank you for telling the creation story of Scylla. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure to be here. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. 
Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.